Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for this epiphany morning, this place of celebrating the ways that you manifest yourself to us. And we ask now, O God, in these moments that your spirit might come and inhabit the words and illuminate them um, to us, that we might see you and touch you and taste you this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love a good mystery, a story that is full of significant plot twists and layered character development. I love trying to figure out where the author is taking me, what breadcrumbs are being left along the way for me to see, helping to reveal who did it in a particular crime. No matter how the story unfolds, there seems to be a consistent search for truth that is central in driving the narrative forward. When all is said and done, in the end, the pieces of the story hopefully fit together and what actually happened is revealed. In today's world of streaming series, sometimes the whodunit doesn't get resolved in an hour-long program or 40 minutes or whatever it was, like in years before. This can make for some long, late nights of screen watching. (laughs) I think we may all agree, any good story has some mystery to it. Not all is clearly known early on. But if we stay engaged with the entire book or movie or listening to a story, however that comes to us, hopefully, I think we hang on, that we will see the truth of what the author is trying to say in the end. The epiphany lesson for today is from Ephesians chapter 3. It is not the usual text we hear celebrating this 12th, actually it's the 13th, but 12th day of Christmas, reminding us of the Magi's arrival to see the newborn Jesus. But important to the season of Epiphany as a whole, as Matthew's narrative primarily focuses on the inclusion of Gentiles, here in this text we hear Paul talk about that grand story of the coming of Jesus for all. So I think it's fitting that we are in Ephesians 3 today, and we will be in the book of Ephesians um, for the season of Epiphany in various texts, not in any linear order. But today we talk about that place of inclusion of all. The big word in the scripture passage today is mysterion. 
it is mentioned three times, three times in the passage. Once in verse 3, then in verse 4, and then again in verse 9. The Apostle Paul use, use of mystery, the word mystery, the English word mystery, flit, flips our normal understanding of what it means on its head. The meaning of the word here does not, does not refer to something that needs to be figured out or is hidden from sight. There's still a sense of, of mystery, of something being secret, something secret in the Greek word. But get this, the secret, the secret has already been revealed by God and is given to Christ's church for its stewardship. So it's, it's a mystery that's not a mystery in the way that we normally think of the word mystery, like a detective story. Have no doubt, the mystery here being referred to here referred to by the Apostle Paul is not esoteric, like it's not a mystery that, like many of the mystery religions in the first century, um, the wisdom was only given over to the spiritual elites. And I think Paul is using this word to counter that. This is not the same. This is not the same. It's not just for special people who do special things in special ways. This mystery is available to all. It's available to all. When I think of my own spiritual walk, I can act a bit confused about this truth. If life doesn't make sense or my experience of God seems to be cloudy and dark, I can mistakenly begin to believe that God's mystery revelation is more like the detective story. I'll just keep going along for the plot line. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, something's going to come together and I'll understand the meaning in the end. I can behave that way. I can behave that way. Instead of understanding that mystery, this mystery that has been given to us is of an unseen God that lovingly reveals himself to us through Christ, the reconciler and redeemer of all things. That God is not hidden. That God is not hidden or inaccessible. God is not hidden and not inaccessible. God is near. God is near. Scripture teaches us that Jesus came to earth in a point of historical time. That's what Scripture says, as the incarnate one. The revelation of God's self in Christ, though, continues Today, it continues today, and it reaches back into yesterday and forward into tomorrow. 
we have a God who continues to reveal himself, God's own self, to us now. But we don't search for it like in a detective story or some kind of meaning. God says, this is who I am. It always begins with God. God reveals God's self to us. Donald Frisk, in a book called Covenant Affirmations, he's a covenant theologian, um, this, is, this We Believe, talks about this revelation. So he says a few things about it, which I think is helpful. This revelation exists as a reality in history quite apart from faith. Quite apart from faith. Just sit with that for a minute. Quite apart from faith. It is prior to faith. It's prior to faith. He quotes another theologian, Helmut Delicki, who says, Faith is only the counter signature to God's signature, which is attached already. So anybody who's ever closed on a house or done any legal stuff, you know, there's all these signature things. God has already signed the document. We just kind of countersign. It's already there. God's revelation is already there. It's already there. This is what epiphany is about. It's already there. We add our faith to it, but it is already there. The story of God is all about God's revelation to us so that we may be in relationship with him. This relationship is with individuals, us personally, but is also with Christ's church, us corporately. And this relationship transforms and makes all things new. One of the core tenets of evangelical thought is that God has been revealed in Jesus and that the person of Jesus through the continued work of the Spirit can be personally known. That's core to evangelical thought. And as much as evangelicalism within Christendom has been under tremendous scrutiny of late from various places, and because of various associations. I want to say that this understanding of God who can be personally knowable, personally, personally knowable, is pretty profound. It's pretty profound and desperately needed in our world today. Desperately. Some 40 years ago, when I had an intimate, personal encounter with Jesus, for the first time, it's a, I would say it was the first time I had a personal encounter with Jesus in a charismatic prayer meeting in Bethel Seminary Chapel, when all of what I knew from Scripture and in the tradition of the church became truly real to me. It became truly real. 
I experienced an epiphany, a manifestation, a revelation of the Spirit of God in that moment. That moment of knowing changed my life. It changed my life. I always have said I went from black and white to color. It just was like boom, ba doom. Not everybody's experience is that way, but that was mine. I still stand on and in that experience. I still stand on and in that experience. But there are places where there is little if no understanding of a personal God who wants to be known. For many, the divine or sacred is described as a nebulous force. May the force be with you. Or something that is translucently residing inside of us. I don't even know how to describe that, but that's it's kind of a... It's tra- it translucently... It's like, how can I describe this? Translucently resides inside of us. Yeah, I think that works. <laughs> if God is even named... It is more a reference to a divine being out there somewhere and not one who has come near to us as Emmanuel, God with us. I have started to attend yoga classes at a nearby fitness club on a regular basis. I find myself regularly frustrated by the open spiritual language that describes breath, and body used by the instructors. All the instructors are different. They all use different language. But I find myself working really hard cognitively to kind of filter out, what are you trying to say here? Most of the time, what is said breaks down into, and this makes me mad, pseudo-platitudes that do not contain much life-giving power. They're just kind of niceties. You can read in some kind of health a uh, self-help book. I'm like, where'd you read that? That's just... Anyway, I'm just like... <sighs> now, the saving grace for me, I always look like, well, I'm, I'm not doing anything very well in these classes. But anyway, um, the saving grace for me is that I usually am working so hard trying to follow what the class is asking of me that the distraction that I'm hearing from the instructor is really momentary. (laughs) Just kind of goes right over my head. But I wonder, I wonder every time what everybody else has taken in. I just wonder. And I wonder what it is that brings them to the class that may be more than just a physical workout. I just, I wonder. It's really, it's really odd to me. It's so odd to me that they can say these things in a club that are quasi-spiritual, but to offer something that is real, you can't do. Anyway, I go off track, but it's just so curious to me. The story of the Magi's visit to the manger of Jesus is the great story of promise. 
It's the story of promise. That a star shines bright in a dark night sky to light a way to where Jesus can be found. Can be found. That the God of the universe, the God of the universe has come down to earth to be in relationship with us, personally known. Personally known. We can personally know the God of the universe. God's revelation brings us to what Paul promises to those who believe the good news. And that is that there's equal sharing of riches inherited by all of God's children. Nothing is held back. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is held back. So in this new year, I wonder what practices would help to expand our hearts to the continued revelation and this continued relationship with our Lord. I know for myself, the practice of journaling that some of us are, are doing is a, is a tangible first step or one step that I'm doing in this new year, something that I have chosen to do. For me, another has been reconnecting with, a, with teaching on Christian prayer and Christian meditation. Again, opening up to the possibility that God can be known. I mean, I was listening to Thomas Keating a couple days ago, and I'm like, oh yeah, you use like, like God can be known, and in the process of knowing God, we begin to know ourselves. I mean, there's such good resources out there, folks. There's such good resources. God can be known. God can be known. God can be experienced. And in that knowing and in that holy revelation, I can be changed. We can be changed. So that's what I'm doing. I wonder what one or two things, start with one. It's easier to start with one you could do if you haven't already started in this new year. Maybe your choice would be something more active. Maybe it'd be more quiet. Maybe it'd be more solitary. Maybe it would be more connected. It doesn't matter what it is. It just matters it is, whatever that is. I've always believed that even the slightest desire to know, to know God, is a sign of God's revelation. So even that slight desire is a sign that God is revealing himself to us. The truth is, folks, the truth is, for church, we don't have to wait 
to the end of the story to know. We don't have to wait. We can know now. Let's pray. Holy God, we just ask for your infilling and empowerment. You know our hearts. You know what we need. You know what we need to see and hear and experience. God, come and water the dry ground within our hearts. Come and enlighten the darkness wherever it may be found inside of us. Help us, O oh God, to follow the star, to willingly kneel before you in at your manger to know you. We ask this in Jesus' name.